Welcome to Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this is like 90% a really good episode. Yeah, I actually really liked this episode. I mean, it suffers a little bit from unnecessary subplot-itis. I have some notes about that subplot when we get to it, yeah. yeah. Which one? Oh yeah, I guess there are two subplots. Yeah, it's really the Phoebe gets a job subplot that I have an issue with. Okay, so you know what, I should save it for when we actually get to it. But this is a really, really good episode, and what struck me upon reflection after we finished it is, this is, what if the dream sorcerer was good? Okay, so interesting, it's like the converse of the dream sorcerer, because spoilers for the very end of this podcast, I don't have anything for telekinesis this week. And I realized when I was trying to think of something, that even though watching the episode, I'm like, this is a good episode, this is well done, this is well directed, well written nothing moved me Hmm. but with the dream sorcerer i was like oh this is terribly directed but i'm feeling so much yeah there's a really big emotional moment in this episode that didn't do it for me i was unmoved which is sad because they will repeat this moment i think two times later in charmed Uh uh-huh and this is the best incarnation of it so yeah You should say what episode we're doing. Oh, right. Uh, We're discussing season one, episode 13, From Fear to Eternity. Episode 13. Also, First Appearance of Barbus, which had I thought to think ahead, I would have checked to see if his other appearances were also on the 13th episodes of other seasons. Oh, yeah. One of us should have checked that. I didn't check that either. Also, he's not named in this episode. In this episode, he's only referred to as the Fear Demon. They don't call him Barbus until he returns. Oh, yeah. weird. Okay, so I love Barbus, and he's so cool in this episode, except for the way that they take him out. You know what? We should just get Well, into- I mean, I'll just go ahead and throw this out here. I think it's probably pretty well-known in the Charmed fandom, but our listeners might not be part of that fandom, or they might not know, mm-hmm. that Billy Drago was only supposed to play Barbus in this one episode. It's only because people liked him so much that they made him a reoccurring demon. Which... As suggested by the plot of this episode. Yes, this episode leans very heavily into him showing up being like a once every 1300 years thing. 1300! Years. Years. Which... Fine. But, yeah, this, I mean, Barbus is genuinely one of the few, like, really threatening, reoccurring villains the show ever gets that isn't Cole, I think. And he's the most villainous recurring villain, right? Because Cole is... Poor, poor Cole. I mean, I love Cole, but he's not a reoccurring villain, other than technically. Yeah. So this episode was directed by Les Sheldon, who directed one other episode of Charmed. Which one? Deja Vu All Over Again. It, wait, is that the one where Andy dies? It is the one where Andy dies. Oh. Also, that episode is the one where the demon is played by David Carradine. And I think Billy Drago up until this point was the biggest name that they had had as a villain. Mm-hmm. And David Carradine, I think, is probably the biggest name they ever get as a villain. So it's interesting that he had those two episodes. I feel like Julian McMahon is kind of a big, like, I mean, he he, he was the main character in Nip Talk. Okay, well, I would argue that David Carradine is a bigger deal than Julian McManus, but I also already just argued that Cole's not a villain, so. Yes. <laughs> but okay, arguably. 
Uh, what about when later on they have to deal with, I think it's an alchemist who's played by Dwight from The Office. Oh, yeah. Well, and then I would also, like, put a little addendum on there at the time the show was airing. Oh, yeah. David Carradine's probably the most famous person. Oh, no. You know who comes up uh, later as a one-episode villain? Who? Bruce Campbell. Oh! Yeah. Oh, okay, with Bruce Campbell, that's like, is Bruce Campbell more famous than David Carradine, or is it just a different type of fame? Uh, well, it's a different type, but I, I'd argue that he's probably in the same, like, Hollywood C, lower B range. I feel like a certain type of person is likely to say that Bruce Campbell is more famous than David Carradine, hmm. but that type of person would know who both men are. Whereas there are a lot of people who aren't interested in pop culture who would know who David Carradine is and not who Bruce Campbell is. See, I think you're overlooking Bruce Campbell's later career. Remember, he was a main character on Burn Notice for, like, many seasons. Ah, I can't remember that because I did not know it. And you are right. That would... Okay, yeah. that If he was on a USA show, then, then I retract this. And I guess, yes, I would rate Bruce Campbell... His Q rating is higher than David. It feels weird to do that, though. But okay. I also feel like Bruce Campbell was sort of, obviously now because David Carradine's dead, but Bruce Campbell's in sort of a wider variety of different things. Like, you might know him from kids' media. He, he's a character in Sky High, for example. Mm-hmm. Or you might know him if you're a horror fan for obvious reasons. Or you might know him if you're, you know over 50 and into light crime stuff. I don't know what the plot of Burn Notice was. I'm not going to try to pretend I know the plot of Burn Notice either. Yeah, I assume I that... I think it's like a CIA operative who got burned. Yeah, and now he And now he's like people. on the run, but he's like helping people. Like the fugitive, except instead of being hunted for a crime he didn't commit, he was burned by the CIA, mm. presumably for something he didn't do or unfairly. Yeah, yeah, probably. That's probably the plot. That's probably the plot of Burn Notice. I will say between Bruce Campbell and David Carradine, only one of them is on a poster in our house. Yes. I almost said apartment instead of house, even though we live in a house, because really, once you're in a house instead of an apartment, you shouldn't have Evil Dead posters up anymore. We should probably take that down. Yeah, it's a very college thing to have up. So. Charmed. Charmed. This episode was written by Tony Blake and Paul Jackson who wrote one other episode of Charmed called Out of Sight. That's the one where the demon is making all of the children blind. Oh. Oh. Huh. Those demons actually come back in a later episode. Yeah, but that was the only other episode that they wrote, so. I mean, this is a, I I think this is a really solid episode, except for the subplots. But also, both of the subplots are kind of short, so. Well, I don't actually have a problem with the subplots as much as... They feel like they didn't fit into the episode. Yeah, it's sort of like when you're watching the end of season six of Buffy, he said, because we hadn't talked about Buffy for like five minutes. But it's like when you're watching the season six, like, finale of Buffy, and you've you've got this locomotive, which is the Dark Willow stuff, that just gets stopped every so often. So we can see Spike fighting the professional wrestler in the cave, and it's like it just kills the momentum, and it's like... I know you had to explain what Spike was up to, but God, these are the worst part of this finale. Well, and if a subplot feels like it could be slotted into any other episode, then there's a problem with that subplot. Yeah. I mean, at least there's 
effort to kind of make Piper's subplot tied into. Yeah, I actually don't have a problem with Piper's subplot. Really, it's only Phoebe's that bothers me. We should actually talk about the episode. So the episode opens on Prue and Phoebe being the worst people on earth. I know. They're in a store, an occult bookstore, and the owner's like, hey, we're closing right now. And Prue and Phoebe are like, okay, we're just going to keep shopping for 15 more minutes, even though you told us you're trying to close. Also, it's almost midnight. Like, I feel like most stores aren't open. I guess if you're in a cult bookstore, you probably keep weirder hours. But... Yeah, she said earlier that they're usually open until one o'clock in the morning. Ugh. But, and this is another reason that they're being jerks. She doesn't want to be open at all on Friday the 13th. So she wants to close by midnight before it is Friday the 13th. Why are they shopping this late? I mean, I know it's so they can be around this woman before she gets murdered, but... It is weird. Like, are we to believe that Prue was working at Buckland's until midnight almost? And Phoebe doesn't have a job. She could have come at any moment. Yeah. They're supposedly picking up a bunch of supplies for Piper. But again, it's weird that they would be doing it at midnight. Yeah. And a good luck charm for Phoebe because it is almost Friday the 13th. Well, not just that it's Friday the 13th, but that she has a job interview the next day. So she wants a good luck charm for her job. And the woman running the shop is like, hey, so uh, if you sign this witch list, this witch mailing list, you can get 15% off your purchase. And we're doing a Wicca gathering at the Equinox if you're interested in doing witch stuff with other witches. And Prue's like, how do you know we're witches? Does she know we're witches? Why does she think we're witches? I don't know, Prue. Maybe it's because you're at a goddamn occult bookstore. This is what comes with hanging out with Andy. You just assume <laughs> that you could say all sorts of shit, be at a witch bookstore, wave your wand around, and nobody would ever think you're a witch. But, like... Andy's particularly bad this episode, by the way. Yes. Andy's just Andy. But, like, Prue, you live in San Francisco. Like, I'm sure Wicca is around. I'm sure there's lots of witches around. Okay, so I I want to throw something out about Friday the 13th, because that's the plot of this episode, right? Mm -hmm. She warns them that not only is it Friday the 13th, but it's the particular Friday the 13th where this demon comes every 1,300 years. So I've been listening to the podcast You're Wrong About book club. Mm -hmm. They're doing, like, an additional podcast because of everything that's going on. Give yeah. people more things to listen to. Yeah. And one of the hosts, Sarah Marshall, is an expert, on, not that Sarah Marshall, I, I, I figured, is an expert on the satanic panic. And so they've been reading for this podcast, Michelle Remembers, which is the first satanic panic book. It's the repressed memory book that launched the satanic panic. Yeah, essentially. And there's a part where it's. This bizarre obsession with the number 13. Like, all of this stuff supposedly happened to her on January 13th, which is the 13th day of the 13th month, according to the satanic calendar. Of course. And, like, they do this weird thing where they spin her around, and they spin her around 13 times, and there's, like, 13 kittens that are sacrificed, and it's it's a child's idea of what a satanic ritual would look like. Mm. But, so, I... Wanted to look up where the Friday the 13th superstition even comes from. Mm -hmm. And 
there's a whole bunch of ideas of where it might have come from, but it's not really a solid, here is the source of the tradition. There's lots of different cultures that consider 13 unlucky or consider Friday unlucky. And there's lots of different times where people think this might be the first time where someone said Friday the 13th is an unlucky day, but unclear where it came from. But I did discover that in 1907, there was a novel called Friday the 13th that was about a, a stockbroker using the superstition around Friday the 13th to create a, a stock panic. And I just want to option that book into a movie and have a movie that's like Friday the 13th, but it's all like really boring stock stuff. It's all like the most boring parts of trading places. I don't think that you can do uh, Friday the 13th stuff anymore. I, I think that Jason people own that now. Okay, seriously, when I was trying to Google this, the source of this superstition, I had to scroll through like five Google pages that were specifically about the movie be- before I got anything that was the superstition itself. Okay, so not to go on another diversion, but when I was in fourth grade and the internet was a new shiny thing... Mm-hmm. Uh, I was doing a report on a certain animal. We all had to do reports on animals. And I was like, oh, I can use the internet for this. Okay. Can you guess what the animal was? It's something that if you looked up it on the... Was it obscene? No. Okay. It was a wolverine. Oh, no! I was doing my report on wolverine, and this was before I... On wolverines, and this is before I was into comics, so I'm like... What the hell is this? I just want to learn about, you know, the smallest but most dangerous predator. Well, weirdly, I think the smallest but most dangerous predator is actually the Tasmanian devil, which would give you your own problems. Yes. You know that Tumblr post that goes around every so often with the person trying to get reference shots of knuckles so that Uh, they can draw knuckles? Human knuckles. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That. Pop culture really screws up SEO sometimes. Oh, yeah. I was trying to find out stuff about Vanilla Ice, but apparently there's some anime character named Vanilla Ice and it threw me off. Oh, like, no. But that was, uh, it's from, what's, what's that anime called about the, like, weird, glamorous, super muscly dudes who are all named after uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, apparently all of the characters are named after musical acts. And, like, there's a minor villain named Vanilla Ice. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. I mean, that's the sum total of my knowledge on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and it came up because I was trying to look up uh, Vanilla Ice gifts. You know what I have an issue with a lot now? What? When I'm Googling Charmed, and I have to specify Charmed 1999. I got... Okay. It's my same problem with Riverdale when I'm looking for classic Archie stuff, and it's just like, oh... Cricket Odell was in, like, one second of Riverdale, so when I look her up, it's all just 40,000 results that's the same two-second gif. I love that you're regularly looking up images of Cricket Odell. Just... Well, not just Cricket Odell. But... No, I know, I know. I, I, I gotcha. She can smell money, don't you know? I do know that. Yes. Yeah. So, per- anyway, Charmed. Prue is panicking about the fact that this woman might know that they're witches, which... I mean, why do they think they have to keep this secret? Why? No, that's a good question because we're not even talking about something we talked about last week. 
the on our Farscape podcast, the Willow versus the College Wiccans, where there was real magic and then there was a group of college kids who, you know, did Wiccan stuff. Yeah, danced around naked and like sold empowerment lemon bars. Yeah. Yeah. This is a world where Wiccans do demonstrable magic. We're going to see two in this episode. This girl and and another girl, Zoe, in a few scenes. Why are they hiding being witches? I know they can't tell, like... Ordinary people. Humans. We'll get a whole episode about why they can't tell humans, but... Like... You'd think that you'd you'd think they'd want to communicate with other witches and get like a witch support system. Also, none of these other witches seem to be trying to hide it. So I don't know why the charmed ones are going to get so many lectures about hiding from mortals. The world, the 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 secrecy of this world is very confusing. Well, I mean, Wicca is an actual religion. You just don't whip out your magic powers in front of other people. Like, you can be open about being Wiccan as long as you're not shooting lasers out of your eyes all willy-nilly. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. In fact, it's probably better for, you know, keeping things secret if you're like, oh yeah, Wicca's just a religion that doesn't give you any superpowers at all. So you can go around saying you're a witch and not have to worry about, say, being burned at the stake in some weird dark future that doesn't come to pass at all. Yeah. But Prue acts like the most suspicious person on Earth and she's like, just give us our purchases and let us go. Like, they weren't keeping this woman later than she wanted to be there anyway. Ugh, so annoying. Also, as soon as they leave, the clock strikes midnight, so... Honestly, it's their fault that this woman dies. Yes. So, they peel off and a bunch of purple smoke comes out of the car and forms into a barbus. Which, God, Billy Drago was so good at doing this sort of thing. I I put in my notes that it kind of feels like Once Upon a Time again with the massive scenery-chewing villains. Yeah, he does sort of have strong Robert Carlyle energy here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. More villains in Charm should have been like this. But, like, he's not being hokey about it. Like, he's doing the good kind of scene-chewing where it's like... Actually, I'm, I, I, I guess it is scene-chewing, but he's also very understated. He's just this very creepy guy who talks in a very creepy way. And he's very creepy looking, so the whole thing worked. Like, he got, he goes into the shop, and the witch tries to use an amulet to deflect him, but he's like, yeah, come on. I'm a thousand, I'm a demon who's thousands of years old, and you're like, what, 30? You're 30, and you're waving an amulet in my face. Come on. He tells her what her greatest fear is, which is another creepy thing we see him do, where he's well, like... He does this kind of scan thing. Like, he kind of does this hand motion and cocks his head to one side and he's like ah i see yes he's like your greatest fear is being buried alive in an earthquake very specific and uh, right and then he makes an earthquake and while the ground is shaking he's like you cannot run you are frozen in fear which is true yeah she appears to not be able to run but like i mean he he's doing it small like he's very He's very theatrical, but he's not, like, cartoonish. 
It's a little little cartoonish. But he causes, you know, earthquake, things fall on her. She falls to the ground. She's not, she doesn't get buried all the way. Yeah, because this is all happening in her head. She will find out she thinks she's in an earthquake, but actually she's just standing in her shop. And then she falls to the ground and she's dead and her hair has turned white. Okay, so I think there is some earthquakeness. I don't think it's as bad as it was in her head, but I think that there was... Oh, you think he did create some sort of earthquake? Because we do see that the shop later when the cops come is messed up. Oh, that's true. Yeah, okay. So he did make the shop shake at least. And we get the same thing later when he like tries to drown Prue, where she's not all the way underwater, but there's still more water there than there was before. Okay. So I feel like it's mostly like in the person's head, but it also has some kind of spillover into the real world. Like the Spider-Man ride at Universal Studios, Islands of Adventure, where you feel like you're falling three stories, but it's mostly simulated and you actually drop like two feet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, like... It's just a little taste of something real to make the illusion deeper. Makes sense. I do like he goes over to the uh, to the list of names. The mailing list. The, the mailing the list. The witch store mailing list. And he does this like sort of thing to it. And then a bunch of the names disappear, but a bunch of the names stay. And you're like, oh, those are the real witches. Yeah, I liked that too. Also, let me just point out, as per our previous discussion about what's going on with secrecy, there are a lot of real witches. Again, it's one of the weak points in the show that the sisters never seem interested in engaging with the greater magical community. Mm. Outside of, I guess, the magic school plotline, which we'll get to. That's so true. So, uh, we get one last pan over the dead body of the shop owner whose hair has gone white with fear. Yes. I think that's a thing that really happens. I meant to look up if that's a thing that really happens, but I decided not to. I decided I didn't care that much. I think that's a thing that really happens, though. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely started getting gray hairs during particularly stressful points in my life, so. Okay, yeah, but that's different, though. I mean, I think that it's a real thing where your hair can turn white overnight when you have a traumatic. traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. So, back at the Hallowell Manor. Piper is having a plot that definitely should have gone to Phoebe. That's true. Yeah, okay, so she's going through the box that they got for her at the occult bookstore, and it's just... Filled with all of these charms, oh, like the name of the show, that she picked up because she's apparently super superstitious in this episode. Which they do give her some justification for it. She talks about how, like, Friday the 13th is, you know, universally recognized in all of these different cultures as this, you know, bad luck, bad things happen on Friday the 13th. Like, statistically speaking, there are more accidents on Friday the 13th. And, oh yeah, she met Jeremy on Friday the 13th the same time their grandma died. Yeah, well, wait, wait, we don't know that she met him when her grandmother died. Yeah, she met him at the hospital when her grandmother died. Oh, her yeah, you're right, that attack. is right, that is right. So their grandma died on Friday the 13th. Well, I think the point of this is so that she can tell Phoebe about this superstition that I don't think is real anywhere. Which is that if you begin a relationship on Friday the 13th, it will end in tragedy. But this whole thing seems like it should be a Phoebe thing. Like, Phoebe always seemed more occulty than Piper, just in general, and more superstitious about stuff. Yeah, this should de- you're right that this should be a Phoebe plot. Yeah. 
I, I don't I don't see I'm, I'm trying to think of a reason why it had to be Piper's plot but I really don't I mean I guess it had to be a Piper plot because Phoebe has her super important getting a job plot but I mean honest to god it takes up like four minutes of the episode Ugh. you could have given that screen time to something else it's true well when she's done going through the box Phoebe shows up to have a conversation with her about the fact that Prue has never said I love you to either of them that would have been a good thing for us to have been looking for earlier in the show, but I can very, very much believe it. Yeah, I, I think that could be true. I mean, we talk a lot about how Prue sort of became the substitute mother for Phoebe and Piper, but also, I think it's more than that. I think it's, she kind of sees them as property a little wow. bit. I don't know, like, like, I can see her showing her affection for them through being protective yeah no that makes sense that makes sense also as we're gonna find out later in the episode i love you was the last thing she said to her mother before her mother died so now she uh can't say it to anyone right because they might die okay it's weird that that's such a thing in this episode but i don't think they bring up the fact that their mom drowned in this episode no i'm pretty sure they do because i'm pretty sure that's the reason that's her fear that's what I thought, but I don't remember it coming up. We'll pay attention as we go through. So uh, Prue starts telling, uh, Prue comes into the room and she starts telling a story about a dream she had about their mom, about how she was like a kid again and her mom was leading her someplace safe. Right. It was, I like this because their mother is dead. So you would think that there would be a subset of dreams about her that are sad or even scary, but this is a... But this dream is about security. She felt taken care of and safe in this dream, which makes sense because their mother is with them in spirit in this episode. Okay, I really like what they do with their mom here and throughout the series where their mom's ghost kind of looms over everything that happened mm -hmm. until they kind of just forget about that later when the show goes completely off the rails. But their mother is... Their mother is an important figure in a way their grandmother isn't, because we don't get it yet, but their grandmother tends to come back a lot as a real person who they have real memories of and, you know. Well, I mean, their grandmother raised them, so there is definitely a, a more of a solidity with her, whereas their mother is more of like a figure. Yeah, their mother's got this ethereal quality to her. She shows up as something beyond a person they knew. Yeah. With the exception of Prue, who does have this real connection to her until, whoops, Prue dies. But, you know, it's a really interesting tactic to take that their mother is this otherworldly figure to the rest of the, to mm -hmm. all of the sisters, really. I mean, even Prue, who does have memories of her as a real person, it's like very distant and very idealized because she never had a point where she had to recognize her mom as an actual person which makes sense absolutely unlike their grandmother yeah. who is aggressively an actual person yes definitely although i am going to bring up their grandmother again later in this episode so piper mentions that the reason one of the reasons she's so worried about friday the 13th is that her restaurant is having a superstition themed fundraiser tonight weird okay I feel like a lot of people are superstitious enough that this is a bad theme for a fundraiser. Yeah, wouldn't the people who would normally come to this sort of thing not want to go because it's probably bad to invoke superstitions? 
I, I actually, when I was looking up Friday the 13th, saw that there's some indication that accidents and deaths go down on Friday the 13th because everybody's so much more careful. Mm. I, yeah, I, I, I could see that. So Piper launches into the thing we mentioned earlier about how, you know, everything's so much worse on Friday the 13th, the opposite of the thing that you just said, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. And Prue's like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. You are the stupidest living person on earth. I can't believe you walk around saying crap like that. You should be glad that you're saying it to us and not to other people, because if we weren't your sisters, I would never want to talk to anyone who said that sort of thing ever again. Okay, so she calls superstitions old wives' tales. Like, you know who the old wives are, right? When we're talking about folklore? Piper was a Wendigo last week. Okay, but also the old wives are witches. Yeah. When you say that's just an old wives' tale, you're saying folk witches say this. So, you know, maybe pay attention, Prue. Just throwing this out there. A standardized way of telling time based on the movement of the sun in relation to the earth? Why, Gareth, that's witch talk. (laughs) So, Phoebe proves that thing that she was saying about Prue never saying I love you to Piper earlier by going, oh, I guess we should leave Piper. Bye, Prue. I love you. And Prue's like, "Mm -hmm." yeah, yeah. So speaking of people that Prue won't say I love you to, as they're leaving, Detective Andy shows up. Hi, Inspector Andy. I love how Phoebe just yells over her shoulder, Hey, Prue, there's a policeman here to see you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I put in my notes, Andy comes in to accuse Prue of more murder, but actually... Andy comes in to have a mild conversation with Prue about more murder. He should be accusing her of murder more, considering everything. Literally every week she's at the scene of a murder, like... Come on. He's like, so a woman was killed at an occult bookstore and the last people in the shop, according to the ledger, were you and uh, Phoebe. So what's going on there? And Prue's like, I don't know. Prue's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm completely innocent and I saw nothing out of the ordinary. (sighs) Like, the thing is, she's kind of telling the truth but it really comes off like she's lying well yeah i mean she's she's around a lot of murder so you know andy who should definitely not be a cop is like yeah it was really fucked up her hair was all white and she it was like she had a heart attack and like but there was nothing in the store to indicate that she should, would have had a heart attack so yeah well he also mentions that they've seen this in some other women, and all of these women were involved in occult things. And he says, you might want to reconsider where you're shopping in the future. And it's like, Andy, she was in an occult bookstore, so she knows what she's getting into when she walked into the occult bookstore, I assume. Right? Okay, I know, obviously not, because the MO is different, but remember the first case we saw Andy working on in the pilot? Where he had already gone to a bunch of occult bookstores because he recognized that all of the women were practitioners of Wicca, something that he recognized to be an actual religion that people practice, especially in the Bay Area in the late 90s? Yes. God. 
Yeah. Also, they never actually caught Jeremy, but I mean, I know they... I guess this would count as homicides. I was like, wouldn't you assume it was the same guy who was killing, like, all of the occult-linked women several months ago? Except all of these people have been dying from fear-induced heart attacks, which I guess is technically murder, but kind of hard to prove. It would be difficult to prove. It's the same uh, reason Frank What's-His-Bucket didn't get arrested for the murder of the Riddles. That's a Harry Potter reference. Ah. <laughs> so Prue, so Prue runs up the stairs to her witch attic, goes scrolling through the book, looking for things on Friday the thirteenth, and stops at a handwritten page, which does not have any indication of Friday the thirteenth outside of the text. This would have been a good time to have that thing that happens where the, the where the ghost turns to the page. Yeah, where the book turns to the correct page itself. Well. But she just kind of opened the book randomly and was like, oh, here we are, Friday the 13th. Okay, well, she stopped on that page because she recognized it as her mother's handwriting. Mm. But I'm going to say that handwriting is way too uniform to be actually handwriting. That's like a font on your computer called handwriting or script. It's also like the Book of Shadows is a really cool prop, but this is just... Also, why is it their mom's handwriting? I mean, I guess she probably magically put it in the book from Beyond the Grave. Yeah, we'll actually see her adding to it. She's she's there writing it right now. Hmm. Which isn't typically how the Book of Shadows works, but fine. Well, the Book of Shadows... Okay, so we saw the year of the Book of Shadows when Prue opened the book. We saw that it started in 1695. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason we saw the date, when I don't feel like we have before is so that we know that the Book of Shadows is less than 1,300 years old. So there'd be uh, no reason for there to be an entry about this fear demon. One of the things I wish they played up more is that the Book of Shadows was written by their ancestors. And really, it should kind of vary from which to which writing in it. Mm-hmm. Which would have been a cool thing to play with, but... Eh. Yeah. The... Nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not what I was going to say. So we're going to learn later that Barbus killed Patty. No? No. He didn't kill her? No. Who killed her? Patty the mom? Yeah. River demon. Oh, I guess I conflated them because of the whole drowning fear thing. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, that's the episode where they found out that she was banging uh, Sam. They might not know. I, 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 I remember that that was the episode where they found out, but I thought it was Barbus who had done it. No, nah, it's just a CGI water demon. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Patty got taken out by a water demon like a chump. Yeah. Well, I mean, Prue got taken out by a wind demon, so. Oh, so eventually we can assume that Piper will get taken out by a fire demon. And Phoebe will be taken out by an earth demon. That's that's what I think. Yeah. And of course, Paige will be taken out by a heart demon. And then all of the corpses will form Captain Planet. I think Captain Planet was behind the deaths. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Of course. He's like, I need to get rid of those charmed ones. And they're anti-environmentalist ways. They do drive an SUV. And San Francisco, too. That's like... There's a lot of hills in San Francisco. I, I, I've never been myself, but I imagine you want some kind of four-wheel drive with all those hills. Mm, I'm just... I can't imagine it's a town that's friendly to SUVs. 
Also, I think it's got those narrow roads like we have here in Portland. It's yeah. hard to drive around in those with a big-ass car. Or at all, since no one can leave their house. <sighs> but anyway, <laughs> Piper is at Quake where she's getting set up for the... S- superstition-themed fundraiser. Which is being run by this... Blandly attractive blonde man. I was like, I guess he's supposed to be attractive? I... I don't see it myself, but... Well, it's okay, because Prue tells us he's one of the Bay Area's most eligible bachelors. Are there really magazines that keep track of that sort of thing? I mean, I guess there there have to be, but... Okay, they don't keep track of it. They declare it periodically. Hmm. No pun intended. God, it seems weird is all I'm saying. It seems very archaic. Okay, so... Mr. Darcy, eligible bachelor. Okay, so, I mean, to get ahead of myself, mm-hmm. that that is my time freeze thing. I don't feel like magazines do that anymore. Yes. Well, I don't think magazines are, like, a thing anymore. That too. So, he is giving Piper a look. Like, he's trying to do this smoldering, sexy eyes look. Watch out, Piper. He's definitely got a whole bunch of oil drums filled with women in his basement. Wow. Harsh. He's creepy. Well, Piper doesn't want to hook up with him because of the aforementioned not wanting to start a relationship on Friday the 13th, even though she does say she's attracted to him. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. And, uh... It's kind of interesting. Prue talks about how she found this thing about the demon, blah, blah, blah. And it was in their mom's handwriting. And Piper's like, well, she can't have dealt with him. It must have meant that she knew that we'd be dealing with him at some time, you know. In their lifetimes, right? Like, the, the 1300 years would come up. Which seems to hint that Patty has, uh, you know, the precognition thing, which, as we know from later, she doesn't. Oh, I thought she just researched it and knew it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I took from it. But you're right, that does kind of hint at precognition. Which, no, time freeze. Yeah. Which, how do any of the witches who have precognition as their, like, sole power in the Hollow line ever fight demons? Well, I don't think the demons really attacked singular Hollowells. I think it wasn't until they were the charmed ones that it became a thing where there was a demon coming after them every week. Mm. I think otherwise it was just random demons. And definitely not demons that required the power of three to vanquish. That's interesting. Okay. This is something the show has no interest in exploring, but we know other witches fight demons, but are they just demons they occur, uh, they run into incidentally? Like, did Patty, when, when Patty was fighting that water demon, did she specifically seek it out to fight it? I think some witches do and some witches don't. Mm. Mm. I think some witches just live their lives and, you know, go about their business and... On the full moon, they they do a little witching. And I think some witches take their powers and go out and try to defend the innocent. Also, I want to point out that this demon is supposed to be really scary. He's literally the demon of fear. Mm -hmm. But he does not require the power of three to be vanquished. Yeah. Which, God, I wish more demons in the show did not require the power of three. Because it's just like, how did any witches do anything before the... Well, I think that's why there are so many demons that weren't vanquished, but just like... Sealed away for... Sealed away. Until one of the Hallowells stumbled upon the amulet and let it out. 
I do like the idea that for all of which history, they're like, you know what? Some ladies will deal with this later. That's for the Hallowells to worry about. Oh. So, anyway, what their mom wrote in the book is that the demon of fear is this giant asshole, and if he can kill 13 unmarried witches... Be- 13! <laughs> 13 unmarried witches before midnight then he'll be able to walk the earth whenever he feels like and do whatever he wants. So I kind of like the idea that he totally did kill 13 witches before dealing with the Hallowells. And that's why we see him again? Yeah. Yeah, I like like that. They were just like his extra credit kills. He was just like, oh, the Charmed Ones. I'll do that. Yeah, uh, first I'll take care of, you know, first I'll make sure that I can stick around for after this, you know. Well, you know, he's a smart demon and... That makes sense. You wouldn't kill ten witches and then try to kill the charmed ones. You're going to get vanquished. Yeah, so yeah. just make sure that you can stay on this plane and then go after the charmed ones. So if they kill you, you can just walk right back from hell whenever you feel like it. Yeah. Which is apparently something a lot of demons can do but doesn't come up all that much in the show. I feel like it comes up in later seasons a lot more. Yeah, well, Cole. I, once we meet Cole and we realize they can do that, it, it comes up a lot more. Yeah, also, also the blindness demons, the... Blinding children demons uh, that you talked about earlier, they actually do just, they're like, yeah, we can come back because after they killed us, we went to hell, which is where demons come from, so. Yeah. Piper, when she hears the news about this demon, is like, oh, of course he only kills single women. Like, it isn't hard enough to be a single woman in the 90s in San Francisco. It's the 90s. That's the decade it currently is. (laughs) It did make me think that it probably is the kind of thing that would have been 13 virgins. Yes. But for obvious reasons. Yeah, then they would have nothing to worry about. Yeah. They're, uh, as Piper joked earlier when uh, Phoebe was like, I wish mom would visit me in my dream sometimes. Piper was like, yeah, she'd have to knock first. Gross. Real gross. But their mom wrote in the book that there is no spell to defeat Barbus, but the thing, the most powerful force in the universe is how they're going to defeat Barbus, and it will become clear to them when the time is right. And Piper's like, yeah, thanks, mom. That's not super useful. What's the most powerful magic? I mean, to be fair to them, Harry Potter had not come out yet. Yeah. In the end, the aliens were defeated by the most simple organism on Earth, the T-Rex. I mean, they did have Huey Lewis in the news already. Yes. In in the 80s, we were all very aware of the power of love. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, And again, this is the sort of, you know, Steven Universe Sailor Moon love where you can use it to form energy shields and or blast demons with it until they explode. Yeah. You know. Love. So Prue's going to go investigate a different witch that she, whose information she got from Tangela and the, the woman at the occult bookstore. Yes. And not the Pokemon. And find out what she knows. So she's going to go check out Zoe's apartment. Zoe's the name of this witch. Mm. Weird. There's a little thing where Piper's like, maybe you should go to work. And Prue's like, eh, I'm not feeling it. 
And I'm like, it's your job. But I guess when your bosses turned out to be demons and died, you can just blow off work. Uh, well, she has the new hard-ass boss, played by Mom Petrelli. Yeah, but she's got that job and she works at the bank, so she's probably not checking in on Prue all that often. It just seems weird to me as someone who, you know, regular office job that you can just be like, eh, I don't feel like going to work. Right? Weird. So, I'm at least glad that Prue's taking this seriously after blowing off tangela in the beginning so hard i mean i guess she's dead now so well when she leaves she immediately walks under a ladder god the, well also last episode when piper got attacked by a wendigo and Prue's like eh, whatever it probably won't happen again well you know what happens when you keep blowing stuff like that off you get killed by a wind demon you get killed by a wind demon so, over at Phoebe's job interview, she's being interviewed by a blonde real estate agent. Mm. Yeah. Who's like, I'm very demanding, and I require my assistant to have discretion. And Phoebe's like, okay. Okay, okay. Let's talk about this job interview. Mm-hmm. Phoebe's like, I would like to work for a powerful woman. And she's like, all right, you're hired. Also, this man who's walking in the room, this is my lover. Don't tell my husband I'm having an affair. Here are the keys. We're taking off now. You just <laughs> met her. You just started the interview and you're like, you're hired. I'm going to go ball this dude. Don't tell my husband. Right? What was your plan if she came in and you were like, oh, no, she absolutely can't be left in charge of the office? I mean, I guess it's a real estate office. I guess you could have just put up a sign and locked the door. No, no, most real estate stuff like that is done by appointments. A lot of realtors don't even keep normal office hours. So, but still. <laughs> really, lady? I'm going to be honest here. I assume that the guy that she was sleeping with was her son at first because they look so much alike, except he's like, well, he's only like 10 years younger than her, but it's TV. Right. So I'm like, what? But no, he's just... She's a cougar. This is this is Cougar Town. We're, we are now. I mean, in she's town. she's even a real estate agent, just like Barb and Jules. Yeah, I mean, Jules was a cougar for like fifteen seconds in the first four episodes of the show. Yeah. Why won't you leave me alone, Barb? I don't do it anymore. Should I change my name? Oh, Cougar Town. All of your characters were so unlikable. The guy who played Andy actually plays Snapper Carr in Supergirl now. Oh, man. I, I watched the first season of Supergirl and loved it. And then I really kind of fell off watching it. I should catch up on it. Yeah. I mean, it's all on Netflix, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So we go from this bizarre job interview to to an apartment, Zoe's apartment, presumably. Mm. Although I feel like every time we see an apartment or hotel room in this show, it's this set. Oh yeah, I was like, this looks really, really familiar. Is this, is this the uh, house in Egypt that Clay robbed in Feats of Clay? Yeah, I think it's also that. It's weird. But like, I get it. They only have so many sets. This is also definitely the same set they used for Rex's apartment. Yeah, also I'm pretty sure it's the hotel room where their father was in in the episode where we met him oh definitely anyway so zoe is fucking ready to throw down i love zoe i wish she wasn't about to be horribly murdered oh yeah yeah she's like hey fear demon 
I knew you were coming. I have evolved to a higher plane where I no longer feel fear. Plus, like, I have all of these protections around me. I've, I'm prepared for this. Hit me with your best shot. And Barbus is like, okay, and sets her on fire. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you only think that you overcame your fear. Actually, you just suppressed it. Which, okay, so second you're wrong about reference of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was listening to you wrong about the, the other host, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Hobbs, was talking he, he said something that just seems so brilliant to me he said the metaphors we use to discuss something inform what we do about it so when you talk about when you say that you're upset and you need to vent we tend to imagine emotions as like escaping from us and like needing to be released and and like a pressure gauge that needs to be released but that's not really how emotions work so that's not really how you need to approach it it's the same thing here where she's like i released my emotions so you can't attack me right i have no fear anymore but he's like no your fear's still there just because you're not acting on it just because you suppressed it and you are bravely facing me doesn't mean that that kernel isn't there anymore also fire bad also fire bad which i mean honestly her speech was really cool but she does kind of go down almost immediately well and and remember in the face of the fear demon witches lose their powers yeah once they're paralyzed with fear they can't attack anymore so it would have been cool to see this actress in the show more there's sort of this weird like slow motion thing where like Prue's walking down the hallway and Zoe's screaming and Barbus is like yeah and it's in slow motion for some reason I'm like what I feel like that I feel like that was a not intentional on their part but like a thing they had to do to make the effects work yeah they had to like stretch out the frames so Prue bursts into the apartment and Zoe is lying dead on the floor in a scorched circle and her hair has turned white with fright it's too bad I would have enjoyed seeing more of Zoe she was really badass for the 10 seconds before she was horribly murdered you know what would be a fan fiction I would love to read what I'd love to read a fan fiction that was a coven of witches in the Charmed universe that aren't the Charmed ones. Yeah. And, like, we know there are other witches who are actively doing stuff. Leo isn't the only white lighter in existence. And Leo also has churches who aren't the Charmed ones, which he really shouldn't. His focal point That should, should be, be like, them. a full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like they, um, I'd be really annoyed to be a witch in the Charmed ones universe. We came so close to having one class that wasn't all about them. Yes. <laughs> but, yep, Zoe is dead and Prue is standing there staring at her dead, deceased corpse. Yep. We cut to commercial and then when we come back from commercial, there's been a time jump and the cops are in the apartment, you know, scouting it out. Inclu- Daryl's back and you're gonna be in trouble. We Daryl, seen- Daryl, Daryl's a cop. We haven't seen Daryl in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's weird how Daryl just kind of dropped out of the show for a while, and then he's back. Yeah. He's back to make fun of Andy's converse, which... Okay, he's wearing, like, classic Chuck Taylors, so back off. Yeah, it's weird how everyone's making jokes about Andy's shoes. 
they're fine. They're fine shoes. And and also, they're thematic for the episode. Andy tells us that they're his good luck shoes. They're the shoes he wears when he's hunting a serial killer. I think they would have appeared in the show a few more times before now. Given... Well, that's why he had to say that that's what they are. So, Daryl's like, so, uh, the doorman keeps the sign-in sheet, and guess who the last person to visit was? And Andy's like, I bet it was the killer. And Andy's like, please tell me that it was the killer. Please tell me that it was the killer and not my ex-girlfriend. Daryl's like, nope. It was Prue. Are we gonna, is this, is this a arresting her for a feather situation, or is this a letting her go even though she definitely murdered those people situation? Because you only really seem to have two speeds with Prue. <laughs> right? Oh, oh. Back at Quake, Prue is kind of filling in her sisters as to what happened at Zoe's apartment. Yes, she called 911 after finding the body, but didn't leave her information and then left. Which, you had to sign in to go up, Prue. What did you think was going to happen? Right? So, she's like, the terror on her face, it was like nothing I've ever seen. If this happens to you, Phoebe, you're going to go down like a punk. And Phoebe's like... Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> oh, so then there's this weird thing where Prue knocks over some salt and Piper's like, well, throw it over your shoulder, woman. Yeah, you're going to be attacked by evil spirits. And Prue's like, we're already being attacked by evil spirits. And Piper's like, okay, so well, you want then why more? Why do you want more? Come on, Prue. It, okay, it, Pascal's wager here, Prue. What will it hurt to throw some salt over your shoulder? Yeah, and Prue's like, I can't believe you're 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 depending on these silly superstitions for protection. And Piper's like, we're fucking witches, Prue. We made we made thorns burst through a man's skin by lighting a candle. What do you think? Well, I mean, it it, it is very much like the new episode of What We Do in the Shadows, where. Guillermo learns that vampires don't believe in ghosts. And he's like, okay, so just to be clear, met vampires, werewolves, zombies, a Babadook, but ghosts. Ghosts is where you draw the fucking line. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, Phoebe interrupts Prue shit-talking, throwing salt over your shoulder because she found a ladybug. And she does the, like, ladybug, ladybug, fly away home thing. She says that Graham's told her that whatever direction a ladybug flies off into, you will find your ideal mate. Okay, okay. Grams told them a superstition about finding love. Grams, she of the nine divorces, she of the man-hating, man-haters club. Uh, she, she of the cartoonish um, misandry. Yes. She, yeah, like... Don't don't get me wrong. I fucking love Grams, but Grams hates men to a cartoonish degree. I guess the ideal man for her is one that uh, has sex with you enough to give you a daughter and then dies. Oh God! I mean, I think she did say that the ladybug flies in the direction of your true love, so it could be that she uses them to know the opposite of what direction ideal to go. Mate. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Maybe it, like, my soulmate will be books. And lands on a bookshelf and you're like, that is right. I should not marry. Or if you're a demon hunter, you just use ladybugs to find the demons because it's what you're, you know, ideal. Yeah, yeah. 
If you're Buffy, you like let the ladybug go and it just lands on vampires all day long. It lands on unbaked cookies. <laughs> no, no, she's unbaked cookies. <laughs> so it land on ovens? Yes. Anyway, so Prue's like, maybe a good superstition cancels out a bad superstition, which is... Because the... because the ladybug lands on the guy that Piper has been avoiding talking to. Yes. Maybe if you start a relationship with this guy on Friday the 13th, it'll be cool because a ladybug landed on him. Or maybe he's your ideal mate and also your relationship will end in tragedy. Maybe it's both those things. Uh, I mean, it's dark, but it's true, right? Then a waiter spills a bunch of coffee on Peru and Piper's like, should have thrown the salt over your shoulder, huh? And Peru's like, mm-hmm, and she wanders off. Uh, she storms off and... Phoebe's like, I love you! And Prue's like, (laughs) I mean, there's having a weird thing about not saying I love you too, and then there's being an asshole. Right, honestly, earlier in the episode, when Phoebe was like, I love you, Prue was like, me too! And you can get away with that for a little bit. Yeah. But, no. (laughs) Yes, Phoebe, I also love me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... Phoebe's like, hey, I'm going to go because I have to go lie to my new boss's husband about the fact that she's fucking some dude. Why don't you go fuck some dude? Good luck fucking that dude. Yeah, so that dude, as soon as Phoebe is gone, comes up and uh, the ladybug is still on his shoulder. And he's like, hey, Piper, I couldn't notice that we plan a fundraiser together well, so we should sex, right? This guy has a real lips and teeth thing going on. I don't know why they I'm drawn to them on his face, but God, he's he's very creepy. He's like the creepy kind of attractive. He's the kind of handsome where you take like handsome men and then you make like an aggregate image. Yes, he definitely feels like a Patrick Bateman type. Oh, yeah. He has a kind of sheen to his skin that implies doll likeness to him. Yeah, yeah. So at the, at Phoebe's new job, she's trying to decide if she is going to tell her boss's husband, should he ever ask, that her boss is having an affair. She's trying to hide behind a giant, giant, empty, open water bottle on her desk. Yeah, it's weird. So she takes the good luck charm that she had, though, and she goes to flip it, and she's like, heads, I will tell him, tails, I will not tell him. Then... When she picks up the phone, she knocks over the water bottle, which was very conspicuously not full of water, and now is very conspicuously full of water, so she can have a premonition of Prue drowning in the shower. Yeah, yeah, she had to touch water in order to have a premonition of Prue drowning. I feel like that hasn't been the way it's worked before. I feel like she could have just had that premonition. Yeah, you know who she could have touched? Prue. Yeah. Or, or she's, when it's come to her sister, she's just had them before when she wasn't in the same room as them. Yeah. Okay, but we need to talk about the quarter, not the quarter, the talisman, the good luck charm that she flipped first. Which she flipped a good luck charm to decide whether or not she should tell her boss's husband that she's cheating on him. And it landed on its side. It's always, I, that happens so much in television. I feel like it's probably happened more in TV and movies than it has actually ever happened in real life. Probably, yeah. Also, who flips a talisman? Won't it just land on whatever side has the markings on it or whatever? Oh, yeah, it's probably not evenly weighted. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. 
Phoebe hangs up on the person who was calling and tries to call Prue and tell her that she's about to drown, but Prue can't hear the phone because she's in the shower. Yes, the answering machine picks up and Barbus is like, oh ho, I'm going to use my fear scanning thing on the answering machine to erase the message? Yeah, yeah. He, I, he does his fear scanning thing and the phone hangs up or the message is gone. Prue's already in the shower. You don't need to do that, dude. Yeah, the thing you're doing is going to have zero consequence on the rest of the plot. What is even happening? Well, I think this is important so he knows where Phoebe works, though. Because he uses oh. that to lure her out to a abandoned property later. Oh, the what he swiped wasn't the answering machine. I mean, it was the answering machine, but the thing he was swiping was the caller ID to get the phone number. Yeah. He was absorbing the information that is what the phone number is because he's going to call her later. Got it. I actually do like the idea that his hand wiping motion is just to get information. Well, I mean, because earlier he swiped his hand over the list and absorbed the knowledge of the names and addresses of the witches. So that makes sense. All right. All right justified episode I'm, I'm there now i'm there now so Prue is taking a shower in the middle of the day i guess yeah because they spilled all that coffee on her oh right that makes sense so phoebe was just stopping by the restaurant when she should have been at work in the middle of the day yeah i mean or we don't have to justify that that sounds right to me <laughs> maybe none of your bosses like you because you're all at a coffee shop at 10 30 in the morning exactly <laughs> Oh, so Barbus does the hand wavy thing to Prue while she's in the shower and is like, your greatest fear is drowning. So it's really convenient that she's in the shower. She, he actually, he's like, yeah, thanks for making this so easy. Normally I have to put in at least a minute amount of effort, but not so much now. Yeah. So he has the shower and it's like a single stall shower, not like a bathtub shower. Mm -hmm. So he has the shower start to fill up with water. Yeah, he has it lock and then he has it fill up. And, you know, fair. It's a, it's a pretty cool effect, too. Just, like, this situation is a good setup. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Prue tries to use her powers on Barbus, but he reminds her that which powers don't work when they're frozen with fear. So now she's, you know, about to drown in the slowly filling up shower, and she screams out, and uh, turns out, super super convenient right now so maybe she doesn't need to worry about friday the 13th bad luck <laughs> daryl and andy have just arrived to question her about why she was at the second dead woman's apartment okay again shades of the dream sorcerer episode because this is exactly how she didn't die from the dream sorcerer she, yeah, she almost drowned in the bathtub yeah well uh that one. I, w I was thinking andy calling her on the phone oh yeah i'm sorry i feel like you only get so many you know, lucky coincidence saves you from so-and-so, which yeah. I guess she only got so many because yeah. she dies eventually. Yeah, you should only get so many before you die, and then she does die, so that's how many you get. I guess, but she's running through them pretty quickly. Yeah, hence her imminent death. Yes. So as they're coming up to the house, Andy's like, I just really hope there's a reasonable explanation for why Prue was involved. And Daryl's like, Involved with this death or with all of the other deaths that we've seen her at? God, Daryl's the best character on this show. <laughs> he really is. So the cops burst in and Barbus is like, I guess I can't finish killing someone if cops are coming. Yeah, yeah. They, they burst in because they hear her screaming upstairs. Um, maybe he, like, can only kill witches? 
Huh, that's interesting. Until he's killed his 13? Maybe. I guess we don't really see him use his power except for later he lo- he uses it on Leo. But maybe well, he can... a white lighter. He's yeah. still a magical being. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting idea that he needs to draw his power from his victims. Because he does talk about how Prue's fear is what's feeding his power to kill her. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they burst in, and now he's gone, and they just have their guns drawn on Prue, who's standing, looking totally freaked out in the shower with nothing around her. Yeah, and they're like, "What? what's going on, Prue? And she's like, I got soap in my eye. And Daryl just turns around, and Daryl's like... It's like, we'll talk to you downstairs. Yeah. Well, I mean, what would you say? I don't know. I fell asleep in the shower and ha- was having a nightmare. You fell asleep standing up in the shower? That sounds even more suspicious than I got soap in my eyes. So I was screaming. I know that my reaction when I get soap in my eye is to scream a whole lot. But she opens the shower because now Barbus isn't here so she can get out. And all of the extra water spills out. Right, yeah. Uh, again, I think it's. I think it's just a little thing. So there was just a little bit of extra water in the shower. Yeah, and there was just a little fire when he killed Zoe. Yeah. And there was a tiny earthquake when he killed... Uh... A little mini earthquake. Yeah. So, Daryl, downstairs, Daryl's like, So, you want to tell us what's going on? And Prue's like, I really don't. She she comes up with this lie. way. Be- this lie is way better than the soap in her eyes lie. She says, Zoe collected occult items. We were going to sell them at Buckland's. So I was there to pick them up and... Yeah, and Daryl's like, was she dead when you got there? And he, and Prue's like, yeah, so I just called 911 left. And Andy's like, why? And she's like, because I didn't want to have this conversation. Right. Oh, Andy's like, don't you think it's weird that... Andy says, if you were in my shoes, what would you think? And Prue's like, I wouldn't be caught dead in those shoes. And Daryl's like, oh... This isn't a sitcom, Prue. You don't have, you don't, you don't get to stop being asked questions because she came up with a real good zinger. Also, there's nothing wrong with Andy's shoes. They're white sneakers. You know what? I think though, I, I, I'm, I think maybe it's because they're so tattered. Oh. They are really old because they're his good luck shoes. Still, I, I feel like I have almost never been told that my shoes are really tattered. Okay. My thing is, you don't get to stop being questioned by the police because you came up with a solid burn. She's <laughs> like, this this conversation is over. And Andy should be like, I think you need to go into the police station. You were at the scene of two murders. I just, I, I, I'm picturing like a 1970s sitcom where she's like, well, nobody should be in those shoes. And then everybody does the big laugh and then we freeze frame and it's like, Wah, 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 wah. And then wah. there's like credits roll. Yeah. Over the freeze frame. All right, so that's been <laughs> welcome to the Halloween Manor. No, just kidding. There's half an episode left. We've been going for a while at this point. It might be a long one. Yeah. So Andy tells her, and he's like, "You should be taking this seriously. A bunch of women are dead, and like they were scared to death, and." You were screaming in the shower, and I know what fear looks like. You looked afraid. And then, uh, Phoebe bursts in. She's like, 
Prue, Prue, you're not scared to death. Or, oh, oh, I mean, hi, policeman. <laughs> this is how I always come into the house. Oh, man. And Andy's like, I'm going to figure it out, Prue. Prue. Prue's like, well, if there's nothing else, I think you should go. And I'm like, there's quite a bit else. Arrest her. She, she should definitely be. Oh, whatever. Whatever. Also, Andy, you knew that they killed a Wendigo last week. And he knew it was a Wendigo. What? You need to have a conversation with them. You need to have a conversation with them. I just, from Andy's point of view, what is even happening? Anyway, once they leave... Once the cops leave. Once the cops leave, Phoebe points out to Prue that her hair now has, like, a rogue-style white streak in it. Yes, she had her hair in a towel for the entire conversation with the cops. Well, she's got out of the shower. She's wearing a robe. Yeah. But she takes it out, and yes, she has a white streak. Okay. A very badly applied white streak. Um, I will say... I was paying attention when she got out of the shower in the last scene. And it was not there. It was not there. Yeah, it it looks like the fake Halloween gel that I use to give myself a streak when I actually play, when I actually cosplay Rogue. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's some cheap ass gel dye shit. It's only in this one thing. Like That I just guess, raises more questions! I guess she immediately ran out and bought hair dye. <laughs> now... And Prue's been crazy mule since she was 17. She just had the hair dying. Okay, wait, wait. So now I'm imagining Barbus and the seer sitting, like, on the couch, leaning forward and being, like, really laughing and bitchy and being like, we love what you did to your hair a couple years from now. Oh, like that scene with Magneto and Mystique in the second X-Men movie. Okay, so I don't remember. I don't think they ever interacted it is a crime if Barbus and the Seer don't interact, which I don't think they do. I don't think they do. Because I guess you would tech would technically qualify. I think the Seer is the best big bad Charmed ever did. The Seer, you think? Yeah. I do love her. She's so great. And that's the thing where I'm like, I don't think she technically counts as a big bad maybe no no she does because she's complex yeah and uh, and she she works as if you're familiar with tv tropes the dragon sort of the person who works for the main big bad without actually being the big bad but she jumps from the source of all evil to coal and she does really have a you know mind behind the monster thing going on yeah god i love this year so much she was so cool like two more seasons before we get to her isn't it yeah so uh my mom listens to our podcast okay and she was like i'm kind of surprised cole hasn't shown up yet i remember him being such a big part of charmed and i'm like yeah he does kind of overshadow a lot that came before him i don't think he shows up until season three though well what's weird is there's no cole there's so little leo we're still we've still got andy alive this really doesn't feel like charmed yet i don't think it'll really feel like charmed until leo and cole are there yeah because we haven't really fallen into the pattern of charmed yet which i'm gonna say is probably a good thing because well no okay so we talked a little bit in the pilot episode and not too much after but it's come up after that about how constance and burge the creator of the show was in charge 
and then Brad Kern took over. Yeah. And when she was in charge, the show was about the sisters and the sister relationship. This episode is about the sisters and their relationship. But with Brad Kern, it's definitely much more about their love lives. It's a lot more about the dudes when Brad Kern takes over. Yeah. Well, it's a lot more about the dudes and putting the sisters in very sexy outfits. Yeah. So that feels more like charmed only because he was in charge for so much longer than she was. Yeah. Although this part, the part that I'm saying doesn't feel like charmed, you could argue is actually the real charmed. Yeah. I mean, this is a lot closer to what the creator's vision was for the show. It's almost like if Joss Whedon had had total creative control over the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie and it had been more the tone of the TV show, and then there had been a spin-off TV show that had the tone of the movie. Ugh. That would not have lasted seven seasons. No, probably not. God, the movie is so bad. Also, people keep on saying, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer star says insane right-wing thing and i fall for it way too much it's... wait wait can i guess who it is yes is it adam baldwin who had like one guest starring role on it uh no it's kirsty swanson oh that's even worse okay and i'm like you know what you're doing when you say buffy the vampire slayer star see i i thought that they were exaggerating the use of the word star but they were exaggerating the use of the word buffy the vampire slayer yeah no one thinks of the movie when they think of buffy because the movie sucked it sucked a lot luke perry was in it that brings us back to shannon doherty charmed luke perry was fine in it yeah i like luke perry poor luke perry i'm kind of disappointed he never ended up doing anything with uh don't trust the bean apartment 23 guy James Vanderbeek? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of disappointed that Luke Perry and James Vanderbeek never did anything together. Oh, yeah. I mean, they are kind of similar visually, so maybe that wouldn't have worked out, but uh, I think it would have been okay. It's like Fuller House where they're expecting you to to keep track of a lot of different blonde women. Yeah, it it's different. Oh, man, I miss Luke Perry. That one hit me hard. Yeah. Anyway, Shannon Doherty, Prue white streak in her hair but only for this one bit yeah so prue and phoebe go back upstairs to the attic Mm -hmm. and they find now that a section has i know the The white streak's already not in her hair anymore it's already washing out like you can see where it was applied but it's already washed out yeah yeah so anyway prue and phoebe go back upstairs and they look at the entry for this particular demon and they see that their mother's handwriting has added more information. To let go of your fear, trust in the greatest of powers. I think we were talking about it like that was there before, but... We were, we were. And it wasn't, but what we said still stands. Yeah. It's obviously love. I mean, it would be great if they took it in a uh, the judge direction. <laughs> the greatest power of all! Is a um... rocket launcher. <laughs> I would respect this episode so much more. <laughs> But yeah, they have a sad over their mom. Yeah, this is the part where Prue tells Phoebe that the reason she doesn't say I love you is because it was the last thing she said to their mom. They really should be establishing the fact that their mom drowned in this episode. Huh. Yeah, like they have this conversation about how, you know, Phoebe calls out Prue for never saying I love you. And she's like, and Prue's like, it's the last thing I ever said to our mom before she died. And I was like. If you just put in the word drowned, that would have... That's weird. I didn't know... I, I 
it's so much a part of the mythology of Charmed that she drowned that I, I am. It feels weird that they, they don't. Yeah, like I'm having a hard time believing that they don't say it, but you're right. They don't seem to say it in this episode. Huh. So back at the restaurant, uh, Piper is being surrounded by bad luck omens. A, a woman dressed as a black cat walks, you know, across her path. And... Okay, okay. So I just want to throw this out there. A black cat crossing your path is bad luck because black cats are witches familiars. And if a black cat crosses your path, it means that you have angered a witch. That's the bad luck of a black cat. Hmm. So, um, Piper, maybe this one doesn't apply to you. God. Kitwatch 2020, where the fuck is Kit? Yeah. Also, I just want to throw this out there. Because of that superstition, black cats actually have a harder time getting adopted. And that's, like, criminal. That's really messed up. Yeah. If you're adopting a cat, consider taking out a black cat. Since people are dumb and, you know... Yeah. It's an awful thing. Cat, like... Also, cats are good pets. People people have weird thoughts about cats. I had a cat as a pet once. Super affectionate. Um, As I was taking notes for this episode, on my other screen, I was scrolling through Instagram, and one of my friends posted an incredible picture of their black cat, actually. Oh my god, I thought that was a painting. Isn't that an amazing picture? It is. Yeah, y- y'all can't see this, obviously, since this is a... a, a audio medium right but i'm throwing that out there because i've heard that the other reason black cats have a hard time being adopted is because they don't instagram as well seriously yeah i don't know seriously i don't know how true that one is but um no this picture of my friend's black cat is incredible take it from me yep meanwhile piper is going to let the ladybug dictate that she should fuck the human doll yeah yeah which uh and holy reoccurring character she uh runs into doug doug Hairhorns guy from several episodes ago yeah also he's like much more relaxed now his only character trait the last time we saw him was that he was nervous and dropping things because he had broken up with his girlfriend so i guess that makes sense he doesn't have to dress like a sexy black cat i think they hired those i don't think they were waitresses you just think that they were models for this charity event i do okay so he's like hey why don't you just go and do what you want like it worked out for me as soon as i got over my fear and asked my girlfriend to marry me i stopped being a klutz and lost my one thing that would you know define me yeah so piper decides that she's gonna burn some sage to uh offset all of the bad luck that might happen does not work Sets off the smoke detector. Also, sage has a really strong smell. That's why it drives out spirits. Yeah, but I assume you don't want to be doing this in a kitchen. Yes. Also, you don't want to be doing it directly into the fire alarm. Yeah, yeah. And then she, like, tosses it into a pot of boiling water to put it out and And burns burns her fingers. Which... But she's like, oh, I'm so unlucky. No, maybe you just make bad choices, Piper. This would have been better as a Phoebe plot. Well, speaking of the Phoebe plot. So the real estate lady's husband comes in and he's like, I'm looking for my wife. I'm Richard Warner, Susan's husband. And she's like, 
oh, and he's like, where is my wife? And Phoebe's like, nope, I'm sorry. I can't do this. I just, I can't give up my integrity like this. Sorry, I won't say another word. And he's like, oh, she's fucking another guy, right? And Phoebe's like, how did you know? And he's like, what would that have been about? Also, she told you after you'd known her for five minutes. How much do you think she's hiding this? Seriously. Yeah, so... Phoebe quits, and he's like, you don't have to quit. I know my wife is sleeping around on me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's going to be fired if she doesn't quit. Also... Well, yeah, they'll be fired. I guess she hasn't paid into unemployment or anything yet. Yeah. So, one of the weird things about this subplot, besides the fact that it could lift out, it doesn't do anything for the story. It has nothing to do with the main plot at all. Right. Well, But also, I mean, thematically, it doesn't have anything to do with the main plot. It, yeah. It, it's about Phoebe's integrity. It should be about her fears. That's that's the logical thing to do, right? That's like screenwriting 101. But whatever. That's The one thing it does do is... Uh, get Phoebe where she needs to go in this next thing where she receives a phone call from somebody who was who tells Phoebe that Susan was supposed to show her a house and Phoebe says that she will go to that house and show her around. Yeah, I guess it's lucky the husband talked her into not quitting. I mean, not lucky because it means that she's about to be attacked by Barb as the fear demon. Oh, no, I assume she was still quitting. It's just that she... Is going to do this one last thing before she quits? Yeah. I, I totally get that. I, like, instinctively can't not take care of things if the ball is kind of in my court. Hmm. Like, once I was laid off and I was like, okay, well, let me just finish up this spreadsheet before I go. And I did. And then they hired me back two weeks later. Yes. I, I remember that. I know. So... I just, I just didn't want our listeners to worry about me. Yes. So... Phoebe goes to this abandoned property and wah wah, it isn't Mrs. Joffy at all. It's Barbus, the fear demon. God, it it is weird how they don't say his name. Yeah, right. It's the fear demon. Yeah, apparently he can change his voice to sound like anyone. That's an important thing to know about him that we just now discovered ten minutes from the end of this episode. Yeah, Terminator Two is still pretty recent at this point. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah. So he, so he grabs her and she's like, you can't do anything to me. My biggest fear is elevators and there's not an elevator for miles. And then he's like, um, actually your greatest fear is watching your sister die. So yeah, which, uh, just a heads up Barbus, her sister totally eats it later and she does not die from fear when that happens. So yep. Also, in, in fact, all the charmed ones die kind of a lot. Yes. Sorry, go on. I, ju- I was just gonna say, it's kind of an abstract fear, right? Like, like how would he kill someone whose fear was, like, loneliness? Oh, oh, are you giving me an opening to talk about my very favorite Catwoman story ever? Yes, yes I am. Okay, so my very favorite Catwoman story ever is from Cataclysm. Cataclysm. Yes, but not, because it was an event that happened all across the DC line. Yes. And it was a thing where there was an earthquake in Gotham and everything got fucked up. No Man's Land. No Man's Land came after... No Man's Land came about as a result of Cataclysm. Ah. So the Scarecrow is testing out this new fear serum because everybody's fear is all spiked up because of the earthquake. Hmm. And he captures Selina because 
he wants to test it on somebody who he knows is kind of has nerves of steel already. Mm-hmm. And he gives her this serum that makes her live out her worst fear. And it turns out her worst fear is being talked down to by Batman. Like, her worst fear involves all of the supervillains from her rogues gallery attacking her and Batman swooping in and beating them up and telling her to just, like, relax, little lady. She's like, ha, joke's on you, Scarecrow, because codependency can't sneak up on you in a dark alley. That was the Jim Ballant run, right? Uh, no, it was after that. Oh, that's, that's a good thing. Did you like the Jim Ballant run? I can't get past his art. It's so formative to my experience with comic books that I can't judge it objectively. Oh, no, I, I totally get that. So Also, ba- it was a different time then. It was a different time. So in Prue's office, she gets a phone call from Phoebe. Mm. Yeah, saying, hey, I'm at a house showing. I'm stuck here. Can you come pick me up and give me a ride home? And we cut to Barbus telling Prue the address of the street. We, we don't need to do that. We could figure that it was Barbus. Right? But I do love that he just duct taped Phoebe to a chair. Yeah. Like. Where did he get that? There's nothing in the rule book that says a demon can't go to Walmart and buy duct tape. Alright, fair enough, fair enough. So, at Quake, Piper is on her date with the bland guy. And she... God, this whole scene is so cringe. It's awful. Like, they're going over the top to make him, like, the perfect guy. And it just makes him come off skeezy and weird. Right? He's like, I don't have kids, but I love my nephews. I have a picture of them. I carry a picture of them in my wallet. And then Piper freezes him because she hasn't used her powers yet. You know? And she needs to do it at least once per episode. Um, maybe I will point out Prue does not use her powers at all in this episode. No, she does. She uses them to break open Zoe's door. Retracted. Okay, I guess that is a thing. Yeah, so she freezes time and takes his wallet out of his pocket and sees that he does, in fact, have pictures of his nieces and nephews in his wallet. And she's like, ooh, he's the real deal. He, like, actually does like his sister's kids. Yeah, and there, there's a... There's not only a picture of his of his nieces and nephews in his wallet. There's a little piece of paper that says, I loves you, uncle, whatever, so that we know that they aren't actually his kids. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the back of one of the pictures. Yeah. But Piper's like, well, I wasn't sure about dating you, but, you know, because Friday the 13th and superstitions and superstitions and stuff but then a ladybug flew onto you and i was like that's the dude for me because that's a good superstition he's like uh even though for some reason i thought you know throwing a superstition themed fundraiser was a good idea i think that anyone who believes in superstitions is an idiot so i'm going to leave you luckily this is your restaurant so i'm not just ditching out yeah yeah he's like I don't know, my ex-girlfriend was way too into that stuff, and I I can't deal with that again. Then why did you make it the theme of your fundraiser? I, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what's happening. But you know what? You know what I will say? If he's not into people who are, you know, into superstitions, he should not date a Hallowell. So this is actually a good thing. 
So what you're saying is ladybugs don't know shit. Apparently, you should not take love and relationship advice from a ladybug. Or, or you know, from Grams. <laughs> Definitely not from Grams. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Grams told them that? But actually, the thing is that ladybugs just land on guys who are going to piss you off and make you hate men. That would be very in character for Grams. Grams textually used magic to make them shut up when they were kids. Like... I mean, it's later in the crap seasons of Charmed where they establish it, but... Yeah, still. So, Prue goes to pick up Phoebe, but whoa-oh, it's Barbus, and he pushes her into a pool. Yeah. Yeah! It's weird because, I hadn't thought about it before, but Phoebe earlier was saying, stay away from any bodies of water, and... When she came to pick up Phoebe, Phoebe's like, come here in the backyard! By the pool! Like, she should have known that wasn't Phoebe. But nope, she gets stuck at the bottom of the pool. And uh, Barbus is like, yeah, I'm winning now. Yeah. And then the ghost of their mom orbs in? She orbs in. <gasps> maybe maybe her white lighter orbed her in. You mean Paige's dad? Yeah, I mean Paige's dad. So this is kind of weird because they're going sort of to lengths to not show... Uh, patty's face and this actress who's playing this shadowy woman is not the same actress who plays patty later i wish i wish they didn't have her doing ghost speak because it leeches all of the emotion out of the scene when she's like you know what you need to do that didn't bother me but also the scene didn't move me so i mean like you can talk like a normal person just because you're... We see ghosts later and they just talk like people. I mean, it didn't move me, but I do really love the effects they have. It is for... beautifully look. It is beautiful looking, yeah. And honestly, like, I, I get they don't have the actress that they're going to use for Patty later on. But I do really like the way it's lit and the way it's shot and the way you can't see Patty's face. Okay, so she reaches down and... Tells Prue to give up her fear, and Prue does. And then Patty pulls her out of the pool, and then she uses her powers to blast Barbus back. And what part of that was the power of love? Was it the fact that Patty loved her daughter? Was it Prue loving her mom? Those two things were constant anyway. And do none of these other witches have moms who love them? I Okay, so this is the part of the episode where I'm like... Okay, they just kind of had to come up with some bullshit reason to defeat Barbus because this is kind of bullshit, but then again, it also makes sense that he comes back later. Well, can I, like, do a quick rewrite here? Yeah. Phoebe should have been the one who was almost dead, and Prue should have said, I love you, when she had never said it before, and that should have caused Phoebe to have the power to break out of whatever fear thing was was paralyzing her. Yeah. Yep. So... Just, like, that's the obvious rewrite. Also, I feel like they should have switched some things around. They should have given uh, Piper the fear of drowning. And it should have been Piper sort of dealing with Barbus. Uh, Piper and Prue dealing with Barbus while Phoebe had this other thing. Yeah, because Phoebe never really knew her mom. So it would make more sense for that to be a Piper and Prue situation. And you could have brought in all of the Patty stuff more. Yeah. Yeah, and... Nah. 
but whatever. So Prue... Yes, c- come to us and we'll, we'll clean up your scripts, Charmed, that was written and filmed 20 years ago. So Prue telekinetically dolphins out of the pool and then she stares Barbus in the eyes and she's like, I'm not afraid anymore. And he's like, no, and he bursts and it's really, really... It's it, it's such a weak point for the show. Okay, so I like to believe that what happened is he's already killed his 13 witches. So he's like, oh no, you killed me. And then like disapparates away so that they don't kill him. <laughs> yeah, I, that would be the smart thing to do. Alison Pregler's Charmed Reviews, which y'all should watch because they're great. She uses this every time they bring up Barbus as their greatest threat because it is such an anti-climax. Yeah, it really is. But then Prue and Phoebe hug, and Prue says, I love you, and Phoebe's like, aww. So we cut back to Piper throwing all of the good luck charms into the fire at at the Hollowell Manor, and Prue and Phoebe come in, and they're like, hey, we resolved an entire plot without you affecting it at all. Like, Like, I don't think you even saw the fear demon. She does not. Piper does not see the fear demon in this episode. Yeah. But, yep. Uh, they they let her know that Prue vanquished the fear demon. And Prue's like, well, I at least put him back in his bottle for another 1,300 years. <laughs> no. Nope. Nope. And And Prue tells them that, you know, their mom came to her in a vision when she was drowning in the pool and saved her she was this incredible vision she was so peaceful and she she brought me to the surface and let me know that i could kill barbus by anti-climaxing yeah then prue goes back up to the attic and she sees the entry again and she sees her mother add a final line to the entry which says thank you for letting them into your heart okay but that implies that Prue didn't actually love her sisters before. We know she did. She just had a hard time saying it because she was traumatized from watching you die. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Credits. Mm. <laughs> Credits. So, oh, also Prue says, I love you to Piper. And Piper's like, huh? Yeah. Credits. Okay, so this is almost a really good episode except for the things that make it not a good episode. Phoebe's plot was bad. Piper's plot was bad, but it could have been better if it was a Phoebe plot. I don't have a problem with Piper's plot, really. I mean, I didn't either. It's just so kind of disconnected from everything. Mm Mm-hmm. At least it's kind of on theme. I mean, not for the whole fear thing, but for the Friday the 13th thing. Yeah. Oh, but you're right, though, that it does feel more like something that Phoebe would do than that Piper would do. So that's that's its own issue. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I... It's a solid episode. It's just didn't move me i think it was a really good introduction to barbus well and we are okay so let's let's go to our segments because we're, we're like dancing really close to them right now barbus 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 yes so uh like the charmed ones we have our own power of three and the first of those three powers is premonition where we look into the past or future or what have you and see who is was or will become famous and it, it in this episode of Charmed, and it's obviously Billy Drago. Right. Okay, so I just wanted to just read the first paragraph of Billy Drago's Wikipedia entry. Of course. All right. William Eugene Burroughs Jr., known professionally by his stage name, Billy Drago, Hmm. was an American television and film actor. 
frequently cast in the role of villain, Drago's films include Clint Eastwood's western Pale Rider and Brian De Palma's The Untouchables. He also had recurring roles in the television series The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. and Charmed. Can you really have reoccurring roles on Briscoe County Jr.? Didn't it run for, like, a season? I think it ran for... Yep! Yeah, yeah, it only had one season. I guess you can be a reoccurring character on something that only ran for a season. You totally can! But you will recognize Billy Drago from being the villain in something because he played the villain a lot. He yes. Was, I think he was... Yeah, he, he was in the Old West Tremors movie, the Tremors prequel movie. Yeah, I think that's true, right? But Billy Drago's great. I mean... He was, like, born to play a villain. Yeah. He, he got interviewed about it once. He was like, I, I like playing villains, and I'm good at it. And Yeah. So, Billy Drago is great. And I can see why they brought him back so many times. I mean, he brings such a... He, he brings something to the show that it was really... It, he brings, like, a depth to the show. Like, I feel like there's something to hold on to when he's in an episode. Yeah, and even in later not-so-good Charmed, he has a sort of gravitas. Like, when he shows up, things become serious. I mean, there's a reason I remembered him as being the one that killed their mother instead of the no-named river demon. Yeah. So that'll take us to our second segment, Time Freeze. What specifically dates this episode? Okay, so I, I already mentioned this, but I'm pretty sure the idea of magazines putting out most eligible bachelor lists is no longer a thing. Yes. I could be wrong. I dearly hope I'm not wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that was a thing, like, in the 80s and 90s and is not a thing anymore. I can't keep going back to this well, but I will go to it once more for this episode, Answering Machines. Yeah. See, I didn't feel like it was fair to call out the Answering Machine here. Because it didn't do anything, really. Because it didn't do anything. Although, you know what did? What? The caller ID. You're right. Which is just such a standard thing now. Because everyone uses cell phones, but... Well, we don't actually really have caller ID anymore. Like, it used to be that caller ID told you who was calling, even if you didn't have the number saved on your phone. That's right. Yeah, now it's just the only people who would call you were people whose numbers would already be in your phone. Yeah. Huh. If I don't know the number, I'm not picking up. Oh, God, no. What is this? <laughs> what is this, 1994? <sighs> Which will bring us to our final segment... Telekinesis, what genuinely moved you this episode? I was unmoved this episode. Much like this episode itself, I did not have the power of three this episode. Yes. I there there was nothing really that emotionally touched me, but I really liked in the supposed to be emotionally touching scene. I loved the special effects they did for the underwater thing. Yeah, the effects of the mother were really well done. Yeah, I'll give them that. So I guess that will about do it for this week. Yeah, our next episode is going to be Secrets and Guys. Ugh. And the Netflix description is, Prue tries to help a young boy who's received his mother's witch powers after two thugs kidnap him to use his powers for their evil gain. Huh. Were you thinking it was a different episode? No, but that title doesn't seem very indicative of what the episode's about. Also, it's like, it's not even a single entendre. Well, it's secrets and lies. It's yeah, secrets, secrets and, and guys. guys. Yeah. It's not even a single entendre. So, yeah. Get ready for that. I have no memories at all of that episode. Also, aren't witch powers inherited anyway? Or is this part of the season one only women are witches thing? 
I don't remember the answer to that question. Which, again, we have no reason to believe that that should be the thing. I, I mean, Prue told Andy that, but there are definitely dude witches out there. Yeah, we definitely meet dude witches. I mean, later, but... Yeah. All right, so that's going to do it for this week. Mm-hmm. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maricruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It's a good way for other people to find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode of any television show, you should head over to our Facebook page, Welcome to Television. Also, because there's been a lot of spam accounts trying to join, I added a question, which is, what is your favorite TV show? I assure you there are no wrong answers. Uh, We can also be contacted at ilovetvzines on Twitter, or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor.